0: This is The First Years, a podcast about the unicorns of American agriculture, first-generation farmers, and the guts, grit, determination, and business prowess required to be one. Today on the podcast, we have Andrew Hart and Andrew is a farmer from Hamburg, Arkansas. He started farming when he was 23 and decided that he did not want to return to his family's business. So 13 years ago he left that and started farming and today he farms just over 3,300 acres, mostly corn, soybeans, rice, and winter oats. Andrew, tell me what it was like when you were growing up. So I understand that you grew up um, in in a funeral home business, that your family had a funeral home business. What is that like as a kid? Uh.
1: Nothing like anything else, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, yeah, my dad owned the local funeral home in town, and uh, and so we grew up around that, working at the funeral home during the summers, you know, uh, pretty much all through junior high and high school, and uh, I have an older brother and a younger sister, my older brother decided early on that that's not what he wanted to do, and uh, knew my little sister was going to find other things to do, so... I just kind of thought that's what I was supposed to do, and uh, so I graduated high school and went to mortuary school for about uh, a year and a half, two years, and didn't quite get finished. decided to move home and move back home for a little while and work for my dad still for another few months, and then finally just decided that that wasn't for me and uh, and kind of bounced around. Doing different things here and there for a little bit, and then so kind you of stumbled just,
0: upon. Me. So go you ahead. just you, you just felt pressured that you you know that that was what you were supposed to do, um, because nobody I, else had done it. Oh. So that's why you decided to yeah. go to mortician school, or did you have a genuine interest in that?
1: I, I think I, I had a genuine interest in that. I mean, that's all I really knew. And uh, no, I, I sure. wasn't ever pressured by my dad or anything. But it was just kind of, it was the easy thing. You know what I mean? Just to kind of, yeah. my dad had already done all the hard work and it was just something that I could just fall into more or less. And, uh, and then, but once I really got to doing it on a daily basis and really saw what you know, it was all about, kind of just decided that that's not what I wanted for myself and for my family. And so sure. uh, just searched other avenues.
0: So then you, you left mortician school early and you moved back home and you continued working for your dad. I mean, probably just like trying to figure life out. Right. Cause at that point, you're early twenties, 21, 22.
1: Yeah. 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 And you know, left, I think I moved to Dallas whenever I was like 19 or something. I got out of high school and worked for dad for about six months and then went to mortuary school. And, uh, I liked it, you know, in Dallas. I worked for some, like two or three very big funeral homes and got to see a lot and got to experience a lot. And, uh, and that was nice. It was just, you know, just kind of being away from home for the first time and just, I don't know, just really found myself wanting to come back, you know, wanting to get out of that big city. And uh, so whenever I moved back home, yeah, you know, still not knowing what I wanted to do, Uh, you know, I. Come back home with the with the idea and the purpose to go back to school and and to finish it because I think I didn't like much at all and uh, but just kind of needed to come home for a little bit and uh, like any guy in his twenties you know I was kind of you know not wild by any means but kind of you know
0: yeah
1: uh, sewing your oats term, is what you, you were know, doing having a good time yes <laughs> do what
0: I understand I said sewing your oats that's what you were doing
1: yeah that's what i was trying that's the that's the phrase i was trying to come up with so much yeah so then did you
0: know your wife then or did you meet her at mortuary school
1: no no i did she was we're actually from the same town and she's uh seven years older than me and so we you know we really didn't run around with the same group of people and i knew who her dad was and i mean, ever. i mean The town we live in is 3,000 people. Everybody knows everybody. You know, you may not have been formally introduced, but you know who they are and what they look like. And so uh, we had a mutual friend, uh, actually a cousin of hers that was a good buddy of mine. And uh, he kind of, after I'd moved back to Dallas and I was just kind of hanging out and uh, working for dad, I actually uh, met her through him and he introduced us and we started hanging out and dating and, you know, you can kind of tell that it was going to go somewhere. And so, uh-huh. um, I was working for my dad while we first started dating. And then all of a sudden I just kind of said, you know, I'm, I'm quitting my job and I'm, I'm going to go find something else to do. And, uh, so I had her from, you know, she's been living through the whole transition period and, mm-hmm. uh, has been a, a great help for sure. And, and uh, your wife, she.
0: Your wife, Amy, was your introduction to farming, right? Because her dad's a farmer?
1: That's right. That's right. Her, her dad's farmed since he was probably 15. I think the only, I think there was a year or two he didn't farm because he got drafted to, uh, got drafted in the military, but he, he grew up in it. And, you know, and so whenever I started dating her and, and gotten to kind of hang out with him, I could kind of see the lifestyle that he lived, you know, being off during mm-hmm. the winter times, working during the summer and kind of having, you know, not necessarily, uh, he wasn't able to always do what he wanted to do because of work, but he could kind of plan every day the way he wanted it to go and found that very interesting and, and just kind of looked up to him and, and wanted uh, kind of wanted that for myself. Didn't really know that farming was the avenue at the time, but, but just was really attracted to, to that whole part of being outside every day and, and, and the, and the kind of lifestyle that he lived.
0: But, uh, and what a change so, from your, from the example that you had in your dad, you know, because your dad was inside all the time and probably had to work when he had to work. Whereas Amy's yeah. dad, you know, that, that is a drastic difference.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Dad was the only field director and embalmer and on staff. And so he was on call 24-7, you know, no matter what, no matter where we were, if the phone rang, he dropped everything. and and took off running and being a part of that and being at so many ball games and birthday parties and just, you know, any kind of, you know, event and having to leave at the drop of the hat, you know, eventually that just kind of, you know, that was, that was one of my big turning points was whenever I realized that I I didn't want that kind of lifestyle. And then on Mm -hmm. the other hand, I was going over to, you know, hanging out with Amy and her parents and, and seeing how, you know, when he went to bed, he closed his eyes and went to bed and he wasn't worried about anybody calling him in the middle of the night and him having to go to work. And so that was, I guess that was a a big part of it or, you know, one of the things that sure enough played into the equation, but he, uh, so hanging out with Amy and hanging out with her father and dating. And then eventually quit working for my dad. I moved off and worked for a roofing company for a little while. And, uh, Finally had opportunity to come back. There was a, a family in town that owned a business and offered me a job with them, and they kind of took me in and put me to work so I could stay home. And while this was going on and I was working for this family, they owned a floor mill. And uh, in the evenings, whenever I'd get off, I'd come, and if Mr. Phillip was around the shop, my father-in-law, I would uh, get with him, and, you know, he'd put me on a tractor plow, and i a little bit here and there nothing just like every weekend but just you know every time we crossed paths and i wasn't at work we'd i'd kind of hang out with him and do stuff and uh eventually me and amy got engaged and about the time between the engagement or the time of our engagement i just kind of was visiting with him at his shop one evening i said if there was ever opportunity i could get in the form and i said i you know, if I could work for you, if you ever need any help full time, I said, I'd be willing to, you know, come out here. And at the time it was him and his brother had a partnership and they had another guy working for him. And, uh, just so happens that like a month or well, I guess about three months after me and my wife got married, a neighbor had turned back some ground. And, uh, so some ground had come available. My father-in-law called me and he said, Hey, he said, would you and uh, actually his great nephew that was working for him at the time, he said, would you and Derek like to form a partnership and, and start farming? And I said, yeah, you know, I said, of course. I mean, I didn't know any different, you know what I mean? I, all I knew mm-hmm. is I just wanted to kind of be outside and I, I, I didn't want to be at the funeral home. I didn't want to be in the floor me. <laughs> you know, there wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't very many options for me out there. And so I said, yeah, you know, I mean, he had made a, a whole life out of it, you know, and, um, He was, you know, a few years from retirement, but not quite ready to retire then. And so I jumped on the opportunity and formed a partnership with this guy that, you know, I knew wasn't real close to. And uh, we farmed. uh, We bought a little bit of equipment together and we leased most of my father-in-law or all of my father-in-law's equipment from him. And then we just kind of shared the labor. You know, we didn't. He didn't cut us a check every week, but we woke up, woke up met at the shop, and he told us, you know, kind of what we were going to do. And some days we'd work on our farm, and some days we'd work on his. And uh, we just kind of did that for a couple years. And then the other, my partner, decided he wanted to, you know, we'd go in separate directions. And uh, so then it was just me. And so I brought in my my wife, you know, into the farm, and that was that would have been our third year farming. And, we uh my father-in-law had had some changes on his farm it was just him and his brother and then his brother retired so it was just him and me and then together we hired a guy uh, and uh kind of you know we were still all the labor and all the equipment were still kind of all bundled up you know but it was Mm -hmm. good because i didn't have a clue what i was doing so i had his his guiding hand and and, you know, kind of his direction. And if there's one thing I learned, I, I worked with Mr. Phillips side by side for four years. And if there's one thing I learned was just hard work, you know, no matter how hard it gets, no matter what happens, just get up and go to work, you know, and eventually it's it's going to be okay. So we did a lot of get up and go to work. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, uh, we worked seven days a week, daylight till dark all spring all summer all fall and uh now once the work was done you know we we got to go deer hunting and do some other things but but that man he he could he could plug all day at something and and then not bother him a bit and get up and do it again the next and uh so i had you know my dad had great work or has great work ethic my father-in-law had great work ethic and uh through them man you just you ain't got no choice you hang out with people like that you know get up and And, and keep hammering on it till something till something happens. So that was uh that was a you know that was the basis for everything that that we've done since then on our farm. I, when we first started out, I was farming 700 acres. Uh, we farmed for four years with my you know side by side with my father in law. I had a bad rice crop that fourth year, and I was going in the hole about 60 grand, and. Uh, I looked at my father in law and I said, "I'm done." I said, "I quit." I said, "I can't." You do wanted this. to quit? Oh, I, I did. I, I quit that day. I I, uh, I called. <laughs> but I then I I read advisor. that. You, yeah, I read well, that you had. I quit, had but a, I quit for like a day.
0: <laughs> okay, because I I read that you have a fear of failure, which I think is probably one of the keys to your success. So I was confused by you saying that you just threw up your hands and quit. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I was, I had had a, a load of rice that day get rejected from the, uh, from the dryer because of the milling. And it was just, you know, the writing was on the ball. You know, I could tell that was going to be the first year that I had went, you know, in the red and, uh, did not want to, you know, to do that by any means. And so I've got a financial advisor that I've used since day one. Super good guy. And I called him and I said, I mean, I'm standing in the field and I said, I'm done. I said, can you get me out of this? And I, you know, we kind of knew where we were going to sit that year at the end. And he said, Yeah. He said, We'll take that, you know, that sixty thousand dollar note if you're really done. And he said, We'll scatter it out and you know, make it, you know, put it on a five year term or ten year term, whatever we need to do. And uh, and I said, Okay. I said, Well, that's what we're going to do. So I'd actually told my father in law. I said, You pick out which ground you want. And I said, I'm going to call. Uh, another friend of mine that uh, had uh, gotten out of farming was, was kind of getting back into it, and he was looking for some acreage. And I made the phone call that, like, that night. I said, I'm doing." I said, you can, you can have it. And he said, are you sure? And I said, yeah. I said, I'm telling you. I said, I'm, I'm fixing to go work on the pipeline. I'm fixing to go find something else to do. And uh, so my wife gets on that evening, which is pregnant at the time, and we just bought a house, and I'm telling her that I'm fixing to quit my job. There's no
0: pressure or
1: anything she, at home. No, 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 no. <laughs> so she, you know, she, she freaked out a little bit. You know, she didn't want me going off to work because there's, you know, we live in Southeast Arkansas. There's not a whole lot of just job opportunity jumping out at every corner. And uh, so we go to the next day. We go back to work and we're cutting rice. And we had I don't know, missed the rain or something. We had went to town for lunch. Me and a, a good friend of mine that was working for us at the time. And we were sitting at uh, in the cafe, and there was a, another farmer sitting behind me. And he said, well, how's it going? I said, terrible. He said, mine too. He said, my rice crop was millions off. He said, everything's, he said, I'm doing." I said, oh, are you really? And this guy farmed
0: uh,
1: like 2,000 acres on the other side of town. And uh, he said, I'm doing." I said, well, I'm not. I said, give me your landlord's number. And so he gave me his, his landlord's number. And I called them that night. And there was actually some other another family that, uh, that farmed next to me at the time or around me. They uh, they had approached them about farming their ground. And so I had to sit and wait for like three days for those guys to turn it down. But my thinking was, is okay, this is the deal. There's not anything around here that I'm going to find to do. I want to stay in, in Hamburg, and uh, and so this is it. It's either sink or swim. We'll, we'll pick up this ground. That'll make this debt that we're fixing to roll over look a little better. And uh, we're fixing to just jump out here and go buy all our own equipment and do it all ourselves and step out from underneath my father-in-law's wing and, and just see what we can make of it. And uh, and that's what we did. The the landlords called me back. They met with me, and we visited and had a good visit. And uh, every, you know, it it all went, you know, the way it did. And then that winter, I found myself riding around all over the state of Arkansas and Mississippi and North Louisiana looking for equipment and buying equipment. And uh, hired a a guy that had never been into farming, and then turned around and hired another guy that had never been into farming. So you've got a guy that farmed for four years underneath, uh, you know, another man calling all the shots and then who hires two people who don't even know really how to, how to run a tractor at all. And, uh, but we did it. We made a crop that year. We, the yields were not good, but the market was where it needed to be and uh, paid off at 60 grand and, and made some money to boot that year. And, uh, and ever since then, you know, we, we've grown and we're, you know we're doing good we're hammering on it i've got a a great group of guys now that's working for me i've had one guy that's been with me for six years and uh he he is the right hand man (laughs) there's no no (laughs) doubt no question and i've got another good group of guys they're young and they you know they're all interested in farming and they like doing it and and so and here we are now we're farming 3300 acres i've purchased um almost about 300 acres of my own ground since then and we are actually looking right now into starting our own uh, cattle operation so that's that's a lot different path but but another avenue we we're very interested in taking so that's pretty much i guess the story (laughs) (laughs) about 10 minutes or five minutes of how how i've kind of got to where i am
0: do you ever do you ever look back andrew and think like what if i hadn't taken mr phillips advice and i just didn't just get up and go to work the next day after you decided you were going to quit because I mean then you you know Uh, maybe you wouldn't have gone to to lunch and then maybe you wouldn't have found out about that other land do you ever think about that
1: yeah no no I don't want to think about that I kind of like where I'm at right now
0: (laughs) the other thing that uh, I read that I want you to speak to just a little bit Andrew is that you walked away from 700 acres in 2015, and can you talk just a little bit about you know something that my husband and I talk about in regards to our farm a lot is that sometimes it takes more courage to stay the same than to grow. Um, yeah. can you talk about can you talk about that decision and, and what led you to that decision and whether or not you think you know it was the right move at the time?
1: Yeah, I, I can tell you definitely as of right now, it was the right move. Now I'd love for that seven hundred acres to come up next year. But it uh <laughs> you know, every decision I made on the farm, like from the time Mr Phillip, you know, said, Hey, you know, here's a partnership you can get into, you can get some land to yourself, you know, and uh from the time I sat in the cafe and talked to the guy about the two thousand acres, there was never any doubt. It was there was no questioning, there was no, you know, It was just, that's what I was supposed to do. And the 700 acres came up, and we had just picked up previously to that um, 1,300 acres and uh, the year prior to that. And uh, so the farmer just kind of made a pretty good jump. And then the 700 come up, which was right across the road. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything. I mean, it was perfect. We had land budding up next to it, and it was a no-brainer, you know, really. But just no... I just couldn't sleep at night thinking about it. You know, it just didn't, nothing, nothing felt right. I just, number one, I didn't feel like I was ready for that much. And, uh, and number two, I mean, you just, I, you know, my, I didn't feel it, you know, in my heart. I didn't feel like that's the way, you know, God wanted us to go at the time. And, uh, which was great cause that, that year, the, uh, it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, you know, that would have that put me under, you know what I mean? That would have that would have done me in so yeah growth is always good i always look for places to grow you know i would i would love to pick up another you know 800 a thousand acres as long as it was you know some great ground you know this cattle deal we're working on you know that's going to be growth it's going to be a slow slower growth you know because we're going to start small and have to build and and all this kind of stuff but uh but growth is always good but man if you know, if you're not at peace with it, if you're not at peace with anything, you don't need to do it, you know, and I just, I did Mm -hmm. not have that peace, and, uh, and turned out that year, it was, like I said, it was a great decision, this year, I would take it, but, (laughs) but, but, you know, it it just wasn't right for us, and, Mm -hmm. uh, and so that, that's kind of how that all played out.
0: The other thing that I read, Andrew, that I think is good advice for any farmer, but particularly for young farmers and farmers that are just starting out, is that you really focus on the nexus between yield um, and you really have dialed in what you have to make um, in order to, I, I read a quote from you that said, you know, if I make 100, I think you said 100 bushel corn and 50 bushel soybeans, they won't come take my house. Yeah, is that-
1: yeah, yeah, 200 <laughs> bushel corn and 50 bushel soybeans. Yeah, and that's still, that's still the premise for this year too. Um, yeah, and that's. The financial advisor that I spoke of earlier, he, you know, we work, we meet with him once a month. We sit down and we go over everything. And that that is a great, a great tool because a a young guy like me, you know, not being around farming and growing up, you know, when you get that crop on, you've got a chunk of money at your disposal, you know, and and so with him, he was just kind of, uh, you know, just that way to check myself and make sure my money was going where, where it needed to and still to this day, I mean, we still you know, I'll call him if there's anything questionable or if there's a big purchase that I need to make, I, you know, i run it by him and he, you know, he knows what my cash flow is and he knows what my checkbook looks like and and we're able to go through it and so when we meet, you know, like we'll we'll actually we'll start planning this in October or September for the next year and we'll start looking at prices and, you know, we'll look at you know, the term debt and everything else, and we'll sit down and we'll figure up exactly, you know the this is the price I need for beans and this is the price I need for corn and, and going off my three year average, this is what I should cut, you know. And so we we base that price on that and then and I hold to it. I do not. I may leave, I tell you what out of uh, two hundred and fifty thousand bushels bushels of corn that I should book for this year. I booked all of it except for, uh, like I think fifty fifty thousand 50,000 bushels or something like that. And then, and on my, my, uh, beans, I've booked all my beans, but like 10,000 bushels. And so I book heavy and I don't, I don't wait. Once it hits that mark, once it hits that $10 mark and I can get $10 to me at the dryer, I book it right then and there. And, uh, and some people, you know playing it safe or whatever I don't know. I think it's playing it smart you know I'd much rather be here 15 years from now than I had make an extra you know fifty, sixty thousand 60 thousand dollars this year so
0: right
1: that's the way I look at it
0: so I'm I'm guessing that when you started your farming business you got a little bit of like pushback or doubt I remember when we so my husband and I have a sheep dairy and um when we went to get insurance on our sheep um the insurance broker said, you can't milk a sheep, I can't sell you insurance. Um, <laughs> ours is a little bit more of a drastic example because, you know, you're a grain farmer, so that's more commonly known. But I'm sure that you got some pushback. And and I read, which I think is a hilarious quote, um, from a banker that told you that you've gone from digging other people's graves to digging your own. Can you just share, like, how you <laughs> pushed... <laughs> How you pushed through that doubt um, and, you know, other other people casting um, their visions on you of you not succeeding.
1: Yeah, just ignorance. I was just ignorant to the fact. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I would. You know, I just, you know, I, I kind of just saw this one thing and, and that's what I wanted. And, you know, I mean, what else? What were my other choices? You know, I'm. You, what I'm trying to say is, is. It was, this was the only avenue at the time that I could have to make a living for the rest of my life. You know, that I could see right there in front of me. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I just kind of, kind of jumped on that. And, but yeah, I mean, I know, I mean, I've had people tell me, man, we thought you were the biggest idiot. You know, we didn't think you'd do this. (laughs) And, you know, we didn't, we didn't think you'd make it this long, you know, and I, and I haven't made it yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. whenever i'm getting ready to retire and I, i've got one son that's seven years old and if he wants to farm that's great and if he doesn't that's fine too but whenever i'm selling my equipment or whenever he's signing the paper i'm signing the papers over to him or whatever happens you know that's whenever i've made it you know until then i haven't made anything there there's been a lot of good guys not make it to the end you know and mm-hmm. so and i just I want to be one of those guys that makes it to the end. That's that's my overall goal. Whenever I first started, I wanted to make it to, uh you know, at least wanted to farm till I was thirty-five. Well, I turned thirty-five this summer, so my my new goal is, is I want to farm till I get ready to retire, and uh and so hopefully hopefully they will be a retirement at the end of this thing, but uh, <laughs> anyhow. So and yeah, so there was yeah there was people that would you know say kind of some comments and all that. But we farm. We're right here next to the Mississippi Delta, and if anybody knows Delta farmers, we're we're a little different than the than the rest of the world. You know, we <laughs> we uh, there's not too many part-time farmers where we live. You're either in it or you're not. And uh, okay. and now the way everything's changing. There's a lot of uh, you know a lot of bigger farms popping up, and uh, you know in our area, uh, there's nobody that I know that farms like less than fifteen hundred acres. And okay. so. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's going blow and all, you know, all during the summer. And it's just a different kind of mindset these guys have. And you've got those guys that, you know, them big rollers that come in and buy new trucks every year and, you know, always, you know, flashing their money around. And then you've got other guys that just seem like they never have any money. <laughs> so, but, uh so some of those guys that flash that money around, you know, they kind of, in the rest of the community, people that don't farm, they just kind of. You know, they got a mindset of what a, what a farmer is, you know, a guy that drives a new big truck all the time and just, you know, works out of his truck and tells other people what to do. And, and that's, that could not be furthest from the truth, which I know there are people that, that do that in a farm like that. And so I had that stigmatism, you know, people thought that that's what I was going to be and that's what I was going to do. And, and I'm not. I mean, they can, you know, they can come to my farm any day and, and see that I'm right there with my guys, you know, doing just as much as they are sometimes more, try not to, but sometimes more <laughs> than they are, and, uh, and so, but yeah, so there were some comments, you know, people questioning what I was doing.
0: Yeah, if you could give advice to a young farmer that's just starting out, what would, what would that advice be?
1: Just get up and go to work, just get out and do it, I mean, you know, watch your spending, of course, watch your money, because that's where, you know, that's where a lot of good guys get in trouble because, man, you got to be a mechanic. You got to be an agronomist. You got to be, you know, a, a tractor driver. You got to be a big truck driver. You got to be a banker. You got to be a marketer. You know, you got to, you gotta, you've got a lot on your plate. So you just got to go plug at it. You know, you just got to go to work every day and, and, and get something done. And that, like, you know, that goes back to my father, my father-in-law, you know, that's just, That's the way, that's what I watch them do, and so that's what I try to do, is just get up and go to work.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's solid advice for sure. Um, Andrew, this is a question that um, I'm going to ask every podcast guest. Um, So, to what would you credit your success this far? Do you think it's skill or luck or a combination of both, maybe?
1: My wife? Uh, my, I don't know, uh, my parents, you know, I've got, I'm blessed with some good praying parents, so that helps out a lot, you know, especially dealing with mother nature and the weather, and, uh, I've got, I've got a seven-year-old that, you know, he's not gonna, he's not gonna have the nicer things in life unless I give it to him, and so that's, that's a good drive, you know. And, uh, my wife, her growing up in a farming family makes my life a lot easier. I don't, I don't get those phone calls at eight o'clock at night. Well, when are you coming on? You know, you were out at eight o'clock last night and I, I don't, I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. And so, uh, definitely my wife and my family and, uh, my godly parents and, you know, my upbringing and, and also just, <sighs> You know, the, the older guys in, in the community, you know, the other the older guys that have been farming their whole life, you know, my father-in-law and there's a couple of three or four other guys that, I mean, i still call them today and be like, hey, what do you think about this? You know, and run it by them. And they've, they've always, you know, been there for me. I've had them quit what they were doing and, and come by my farm and see what's going on and, you know, and so I guess a lot of little things You know, I I can't just put my finger on, on necessarily one thing.
0: I'm so glad you made time to join us, Andrew. You are a great example of the sheer will and determination it takes to start a farm. That concludes this episode of the First Year's Podcast. Until next time, have a great week.